Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift you have given us of life and you've given us an opportunity to gather together as your church, to be renewed by you, to allow your spirit to engage, engage with us and to help us to see what it means to be your disciples and to give us the power that we need to be your witnesses in the world. Open up our hearts and minds to where you are leading us. Help us to let go of things that impede us in sharing your gospel and your grace in the world. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As humans, we like people's presence, don't we? We like people to be with us. And if people are not with us, if people are not present in our lives, we can sometimes forget about them. And this, I was reminded of this um, when I was thinking about my previous life and previous life where uh, in an organisation I worked, the accountants decided, the bean counters decided that the, the cleaning was costing too much. And their response in a meeting was, I don't see the cleaners doing any work. I think we should be able to cut their costs. But fortunately we had a boss who said, look, the reason you don't see the cleaners doing any work is they came, come in at about 4 o'clock in the morning and they've left by 8 o'clock in the morning. So you don't see them at all. But what you do see is the fruits of their work. You see the things that they have done and achieved. And so when we think about the ascension of Jesus, and we'll talk a little bit about um, how the disciples may have reacted, but when we think about the ascension of Jesus, it's easy to think that God's deserted us and, God, and we are left on this earth. But there's something more going on. God has, may have, Jesus may have ascended to the Father, but it doesn't mean he stopped loving, caring or being at work for us. And it also doesn't mean that his mission is complete on this earth. And so that's what we're going to explore today. In Acts chapter 1, verses 7 to 8, we hear Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Before we go a bit further into what ascension means for us and um, this, that part of the text from Acts chapter 1, which we're going to explore, a couple of questions I'd like you to think about. The first is, what do you know about Jesus? What do you know about Jesus and what does this mean for you and your life? I encourage you to write this down, to reflect on, to journalise it, to memorise it, to have that embedded into you. What do you know about Jesus? And then what does it mean? For you and your life. You see, some people get scared of being witnesses. And um, I've had people say to me, I can't be a witness for Jesus because I don't know enough. Well, think about the disciples. Think about who they were. They had spent three years with Jesus, but they didn't fully know everything about Jesus. They didn't know all that was going to happen. All they were called to do is be the witnesses with the information, the relationship that they had already with Jesus. The unfortunate thing in some Christian circles, and I would say in, in, in particularly some mainline churches like the Lutheran Church, we have to think we've got to get it all right in our head before we're capable or ready to share about Jesus. And yet, that's not what God's calling us to be. He's calling us to be the witnesses of the Jesus that we know. And so I encourage you to think about this. What do you know about Jesus and what does this mean for you and your life?
The second thing I'd encourage you to think about is this. What opportunities exist for you to be a witness of Jesus in your current life? Think about all the people you're relating to, all your people you're mixing with. Um, if you think that being a witness means that straight away tomorrow you've got to go out and get the Bible and say, here, you've got to know everything about God's love, that's probably going to put a barrier in place. But if you start thinking about building the relationships, and I was thinking about this during the week and I thought, you know, in this area um, I'm starting, you know, building relationships with people some because I have to, and one of those is the Australia Post. I go into the post office probably at least once a week, you know, and I get to talk to them, and they're getting to know the, the pastor, the concierge at Oxford One, where Australia Post is based in. He now knows I'm a pastor, so he now starts talking to me about spiritual stuff. Right? So I encourage you to think about what opportunities exist for you to be a witness for Jesus in your current life. Who are the people you're relating to, mixing with? Just to a reminder of the timeline, so not everybody has got this, um, but I, some people will be fairly familiar with this. Keep in mind the timeline that we've had. We've had Jesus crucified. And, so the, and I, I see this as the disciples where I had some highs and lows, even in this timeline. Right? That there was a number of the disciples who just didn't get it, that Jesus had to suffer and die for them. They really struggled with it. They still had this perception of Jesus was the Messiah, going to be the Messiah that's put Israel back in control. And then they would have gone through the low that he got crucified. And then three days later, he has the resurrection. And initially, some of them didn't get that either. You know, Some did, they were celebrating, but some didn't. And you remember Thomas really had to see Jesus before he got it. And then we see for the next 40 days, Jesus the risen Jesus appearing to people, showing them that he had not only suffered and died, but he'd risen from the dead. And his appearance was over those 40 days. And if you keep that in mind, that would have been Thursday, and that's why they have a public holiday. We could have said, and if I'd said, let's have, a, let's have an Ascension Day service on Thursday, I don't think we would have had too many people here, unfortunately. But that's part of our secular world, but this is the, the, the reality is that Jesus has gone, ascended into heaven, but before he did, he'd appeared to people. And then next Sunday, we'll celebrate Pentecost Sunday. There's 10 days where Jesus has said to his disciples, um, just wait till you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. Wait for the Holy Spirit and then go and be my witnesses. So there's these 10 days and the Pentecost aligns with a Jewish feast um, where we talk about and celebrate on Pentecost Sunday the gift of the Holy Spirit to us as the church. What's important, and this is what I would like you to think about and focus on today, is that Jesus returning to his Father is not him deserting us. It's not him going, going up to heaven and just leaving us, and it's easy to think God's not here, what's going on, particularly when bad stuff is happen, happening. But it is his mission continuing in heaven and on earth. Jesus ascending to heaven. It's just part of his mission. Right? We, we sometimes can get into a mindset that Jesus came on earth and he suffered and died. And, he's, and, and because he said it is finished, which means on the cross, you know, that part, the salvation part is completed, but the work is still continuing. And it can, still continues today. And it continues today in heaven 
and on earth. So we're going to look at the heaven part first. Jesus' mission continues in heaven. Jesus being with his... God's mission continues by, first of all, Jesus being with his father, preparing a place for us. If you've ever been to a funeral, um, you may have most likely would have come across this text, John chapter 14, where Jesus says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. The encouragement for us is to remember that Jesus is preparing a place for us. He's prepared, and he hasn't deserted us and forgotten about us, but he's going to prepare a place for us. I remember growing up as a kid and when I was young and when I started to realise my dad would leave early in the morning and come home at late and I kind of you know, wondered why was dad leaving, right? Well, he was going to work to earn some money to put food on the table was how my mother would explain it. Well, Jesus is doing more than that for us. He's going to prepare the place for us. He's with his Father um, in heaven preparing that place for us. And that place is not based on how good we are, but it's based on do we trust Jesus? Do we trust that Jesus has paid the price for all our sins, that he is our saviour? The other thing with um, Jesus ascending to heaven and God's mission continues by Jesus being the head of the church. If you think about this, Jesus is the head of the church in Ephesians, as we heard in verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything for the church. He probably could be the head of the church if if God's plan was, and it wasn't this, but if God's plan was that Jesus was going to stay alive forever, could you imagine a 2,000-year-old man somewhere in the world being the head of the church? We'd have to have these pilgrimages probably to go and worship him and see him. We couldn't worship him everywhere. And somebody gave the picture of it. They said, could you imagine having to go and celebrate with Jesus and worship Jesus in Jerusalem where he'd probably be located if he was still on earth as a human and continued to live forever on earth? Um, There'd be all these people and you couldn't get close to him. You couldn't have an intimate relationship with him. Um, And then the person says, and then a pandemic comes. And you can't leave your country, you can't leave Australia to get to Jerusalem. And yet we have the blessing because Jesus has ascended, we can have this direct relationship with him. We can pray to him any time, we can worship him any place. And, but he's also the head of the church in that he's interested <coughs> excuse me, in everything <coughs> that is going on. He's concerned about his church. And sometimes when we hear <coughs> the head of the church... We think in a really legalistic, authoritarian thing that Jesus is ready to jump on you as soon as you do something wrong. And unfortunately, there are Christians who live like that, that Jesus being the head of the church is about you having to get everything right, which goes completely against the gospel. Now, what I'm encouraged about and encouraged about when we think about the head of something is good heads care for the people under them. And that's what Jesus does as the head of the church. And we see in Ephesians that what he does is he puts things in place so the church is cared for, us, we are cared for, but he also puts things in place so his gospel can continue and he gives us the gifts that we need. The third thing that Jesus, um, God's mission continues with Jesus ascending is that Jesus is interceding 
for us, acting on our behalf. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So, and this is in verse 14 of chapter 4. And then if we go down a few verses, I mean, if you wish, I'd encourage you to read from chapter 4 through to the chapter chapter 5, but it goes there, it says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Jesus ascending to heaven is interceding. Now, when I first reconnected with the church, I can remember a Bible study I was doing and I kept talking about intercession and interceding and I'm going, what on earth is this intercession and interceding? And they said, oh, simply prayer. And I said, it's simply just talking to God. Well, think about the picture. Jesus is there at the right hand and the, the image of the right hand pops up regularly. And one, one aspect of Jesus being at the right hand is he's talking to God on your behalf. He's talking to God about you. But he's not saying, Moses, Moses is God... Moses has done all this bad stuff. You should have seen how he talked to his wife last night. That wasn't too good. You should have seen what he did when he drove his car, how he did 51 kilometres instead of 50. He's not saying that to the father. What he's saying is, Moses is somebody who has faith in me, who I've died for, who I've paid the price for his sins. And so we hear with Jesus ascending, you can see God's mission is still at work. Jesus the Son is talking to the Father about us in a way that says we are loved and we are part of God's family. And the last point, and some people don't like this last point. You know, some people, I've had one person say, can't we take out of the creed that Jesus came to judge the living and the dead? You know, we'd like that, wouldn't we? You know, God, not the judging judge. And that again is often from a perspective Ah, oh, look, none of us, we're all sinners, we're all failed. None of us are good enough. But that the type of judgment we should think about is not the judgment of whether we've done enough, whether we are the perfect Christian, because none of us are, but the judgment of whether we believe, whether we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection as our way to the Father, as our way to eternal life. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 32, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And so that statement about of Jesus is ascended at the right hand. So whenever you hear the right hand language, there's two things going on. One is the God is talking. Jesus is talking to his father on our behalf and the other is that there's this judgment that's going to come and he's been given the authority to judge the living and the dead as we state in our creeds which means he's given authority to to say do you have faith in me or not and so we see that God's mission continues even with Jesus ascending it hasn't is some people some Christians have in their mind that What's happened? Jesus has done all his work on earth. That's it. And he's left it all up to us. And that's how they think. But that's not the case. The starting point is to remember is that God, Jesus, is still at work. 
And he's not just at work in heaven, but he's also at work on earth because he invites us and empowers us as his church to be involved in his mission, to be involved in helping people know that he came to this world to die for them, to be involved in helping people know that they're loved, that they have a future with him despite their sin. And so that's where our Acts reading comes into play and particularly that couple of verses that we're going to focus on today. In verse 8 we hear, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we need the Holy Spirit's power. You see, our focus of life as natural humans, our focus of life as living in this world, is not about what God's about until God's spirit interacts with our spirit. Yesterday at our planning day as part of church council, um, I shared a devotion that talked about the theology, the the theology of being Christian in the city and to recognise that there are um, two worlds going on in our world. There is the world of Baal, Satan and our individual selves, which all about... And, and the focus of that is about individualism. It's about making as much money as being, being as successful as possible, all for our glory. And there's the power of God. You know, the God's world is operating. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And that's about love and community and about encouraging others and about helping people see that there is a future despite their failures. And so this power that God gives us, this power of the Holy Spirit, is essential for us. Now some people uh, make receiving the Holy Spirit or give a perception that receiving the Holy Spirit is more difficult than it really is. They sometimes give the perception is you've got to be the perfect Christian and you've got to have the perfect life. But that's not if you look at the scriptures of how the Holy Spirit come on people. And what you see for us today is how the Holy Spirit comes on us. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit engages with us through baptism. So at your baptism, God gave us his Spirit. Now you might be thinking, yeah, but I know heaps of people who have been baptised who don't seem to be Christian, not even interested. God's spirit still, and I like that, this is the image I like to have. God's spirit still hovering around them, still trying to give them love. It's just that they've closed the door to God's love. They're not taking advantage of the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like if my dad gave me a key to a car and I put the key in my pocket and forgot about the car and decided I was going to, oh, I have to walk everywhere. Right? I didn't take notice of the key. At our baptism, we are introduced, we are welcome, God welcomes us into his family, but God gives us his spirit. But he doesn't just stop there because we need to continually be filled with his spirit. And the, the simplest way for us to be filled with his spirit is by engaging with his word and listen to his stories. Now, we need to be a little bit careful because I, I think about my own journey back into the church um, when I first re-engaged with the church, my first question was, is, 
when I was reading the Bible and listening to sermons is, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Right? So I'm looking at all the rules. You know, how can I just be better with God? But the more I engage with the word, the more I engage with God's stories, I started to see God's grace and love. I started to see that it's not about about what I first have to do. It's about what God is doing, what God is up to, what Jesus is doing. And this different paradigm of life came about. You see, I came from, you know, I grew up in the church. I kind of disengaged and then I re-engaged. And that re-engagement was, that was still from a paradigm initially about this is about improving myself personally and being a better person. But the more I engaged, I discovered that Christian faith was more than that. It was about what Jesus is up to, the love and the grace and the mercy he has for us and how it's important to be so engaged with Jesus. And so listening to the stories of God about how he goes about life, how he relates to people, become more important. And I encourage you to do the same. Is to, When you read the scriptures, you know, some people have given up reading the Bible and they've said, some people said to me, oh, I've already read it once. I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember half the stuff I've read, so I have to read, read it again. But the other thing is when you read it and you read it with an eye of what is God doing, you start to see that there's a different approach to life than what our normal world has. And then the third way that we receive the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that and often re-energised in us, and this is often left off in discussions in mainline churches, particularly with Lutherans, is that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit through our community. It's through our being with other believers, in being in, engaging with others. You know, the Old Testament has this proverb which I think is quite helpful, is that iron sharpens iron. And I actually find it very beneficial you know, more beneficial to be around other Christians. You know, and most people that I've encountered say when they encounter a healthy Christian faith community, that's not a perfect community, but a healthy community where, where there's discussion allowed and God's grace is talked about, they grow in their relationship with God. Because they A, get different perceptions and God uses other people to help us to know of his message of love, grace and mercy. And so God's mission continues through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential because we by nature are not going to always think about or understand what goes on with God. But because we've been connected, and this is sometimes difficult for us to hear because many of us have been connected with Jesus for a time, quite a while and his Holy Spirit has been affecting us. But we need this Holy Spirit because it's God's mission and not ours. Um, and one of the things that I am reflecting on, you can th- hear about this, is the way people talk about their church. You know, in a few months' time, I'm going to have pastors' conference come up at National Synod, and some people will say, my church, look what I have done in my church. Or look what our church is doing and how good we are. And I recall listening to a pastor a number of years ago, he goes, Oh, I've been working hard in my church. And after a while, I couldn't work out what was making me unsettled until I realised the focus, the way he talked about was everything he was doing and not what God was calling him to do. And the saddest in one occasion was a person said, I've 
prepared my church for the next pastor. I've got rid of all the people who are not quite got it right. And I thought, mate, if you did that in my church, everybody would be gone. (laughs) But we need each other and we need God's spirit because it's God's mission that's at play. That's what's most important in our life. Not our mission, but God's mission. Secondly, God's mission continues through us by us being witnesses of Jesus. Our call is simply to be witness of Jesus, not how good we are, as I, as I just referred to, but witnesses of Jesus. He says, you'll be my witnesses. And so, again, that earlier question I asked, think about, think about that question. What do you know about Jesus? What do you know already about Jesus and his grace and his love? That will continue to develop in your relationship. You'll have more information. But think about what... If I was put on the spot tomorrow, what could I share? And it's not just what you say through your mouth, but it's also how you relate to people and go about life. Earlier this week, here in um, the city, it was Wednesday night, and I drove the car into the car park and there was this bloke walking down the back lane. If you know the back lane behind here, it goes nowhere. And I said, mate, you won't get through there. There's nothing there. And he was unfamiliar. And he turned around and mumbled something and I didn't take much notice of him. And I thought, I haven't got time to deal with him. I'm going to close the garage door, come inside. Um, 10, 15 minutes later, my wife comes up and says, there's some bloke out there wanting to know where Matthew Talbot House is. And he's mumbling and he seems confused. Um, and he was bit further down so I went out and thought oh that's the same blokes went out and saw him and I'm going I haven't got time for him right but God was prompting me something just engage with him this bloke was totally confused totally lost Um, he needed some help to get Matthew Talbot house for those who don't know Matthew Talbot house is a is a place for males who are homeless um and I tried to show him on a Google Maps how to get there, but he didn't have a phone, so I'm trying to point to a direction you could see he was going to get lost. So I thought the only way to get him there is to walk him there. So I walk him there, and we get there, and because it was after 4.30, he couldn't get much service. He got a little bit of food, but that was it. So I thought, what else can I do? I'll take him to Wayside Chapel, right? Now, I, all I said to him was I was a pastor of the church, but what prompted me was God saying, you need to show this bloke love. Right, you need to show this bloke some help, right? And that is part of being witnesses. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, the people I mix with—if I go to work on Monday, they're going to think I'm wackos if I start talking about Jesus. Particularly if you've never done that. But can I encourage you to develop relationships with the people in your life, the deeper relationships, because that will open doors. A little bit like the concierge in Oxford Street One. I didn't first go into Oxford Street 1 with any intention to share Jesus, but because I started to develop a relationship with with people, the opportunities start to open up to be a witness to Jesus, not just by what I say, but how I relate to people and go about life, even the difficulties. And the third thing to think about that God's mission continues, us, because it's us being witnesses of Jesus to everyone. It says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That red circle is where Jerusalem is, right? Down the bottom. 
Jerusalem is like the hometown. Think about the people in your immediate circle, the people you're relating to every day, the people who are part of your family, your life. But we're not called just to focus on that group of people. Our call as disciples, our call as a church is to go further. Now, Judea is like the state or the region. That's like being God's witnesses in um, Sydney or New South Wales. And so this call is Jerusalem, Judea. And many people would be comfortable with that and leave it at that. You know, that'd be hard work for a number of people already. But the call is even further, is to be my witnesses to people in Samaria. And if you remember uh, a lot of the discussion in the Bible about Samaria, it highlights how the, the normal Jews and Samaritans don't get along, right? It's a little bit like if you're in New South Wales and you've been here for a while, um, when you get to state of origin, those dirty Queenslanders, huh? that attitude, right? it's probably even worse than that. So it's a call for us to be witnesses to even the people we're not so comfortable with or we don't like or we don't think deserve God's grace and mercy. And if this my general rule, if someone doesn't, if I don't think someone deserves God's grace and mercy, that's often a prompt that they do need to hear God's grace and mercy. And then it goes on to the ends of the earth, which is everywhere. The other part of this, for those who are interested, if you want to read Acts, if, and this could be an encouragement for you to take some time to read Acts, because it's really about the start of the church and how the church moves from being just a, a Jewish sect to being something far bigger, um, is that this is really an introduction to how Acts, how the church is going to unfold. Chapters 2 to 7, the mission is very much focused around Jerusalem. In chapter 9, it goes to Judea. They, they, didn't, they don't follow the sequence as the linear sequence, but in chapter 8, it was in Samaria, and then chapter 13 to 28 is to the ends of the earth. And so the reminder for us in this is that we are called to be witnesses of Jesus, not because people deserve it, not because we've got it all together, but we are called to be witnesses of Jesus to help others to know about the love of God that we already know, the love of God that we've already experienced. So I'll come back to the questions is, what do you know about Jesus? What do you know about Jesus and what he's done for you and what he's done for others? And what might this be, why might this be helpful to the people you meet? The second thing is, think about your current life. Think about what might it mean for you to be a witness of Jesus to everyone you interact with. What might it mean for you to be a witness of Jesus to everyone you interact with? Some years ago in Portland, there was a policeman who, um, strong Christian policeman, um, had a reputation that if you're going to speed, you're going to get fined. And Victoria had just brought in some rules that if you went over a certain speed limit, your car was impounded. Well, around Christmas one time, this uh, gentleman on the way home from Melbourne decided that do 170 k's on the road would be a, a good way to get home quickly to his parents. Car full of gifts, picked up by that policeman, and the policeman says, well, I have to impound your car. That's the rules. I've got no choice. However, chuck your gifts in the back of the van, 
and I'll drop you home. He could have left him there and someone asked him, why'd you do that? And he says, I'm not going to leave a bloke deserted out in the road to call his parents on Christmas to inconvenience them when I've got to go into town anyway, so I'll, I'll take him in. He said, it's part of, you know, part of my police responsibility was to impound the car. I had no, there was no options with that, but I worked out how could I show some grace and love to that person considering the circumstances. And that was through his actions. So think about what it might mean for you to be a witness of Jesus to everyone you interact with. Because remember, Jesus returning to his Father is not him deserting us, but continuing his mission in heaven and on earth through us. We have experienced the love and grace and the forgiveness of God, but it's not just for us. It's for people to the ends of the earth. May you live as his witnesses. Go in his peace, go with his love and go with his spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have invited us and empowered us to be part of your church on earth. Continue to encourage us. Continue to help us to to live out the calling you've given us to be your witnesses. And Lord, we, we pray. We pray for your spirit to be interacting always with our spirit, to be affecting our spirit so we have your way of life in our minds, in our hearts, as we interact with others. And gracious Father, continue, continue to help all the people we know meet you. May they know your love, may they know the future you have for them, and may you help them, help them engage further with you. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.